Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to sport our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It's hard to believe we have been having in-depth weekly conversations about movies since 2011. You're telling me, producing this show week after week is so much fun, but it does require a lot of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, one easy way is by using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. Your purchase is made through our links. Give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these great discussions. We covered a lot of great movies that were adapted from other material in season 10. Our originals page at thenextreel.com slash originals is where listeners can purchase the source material behind all our adapted film discussions. It helps support the show at no extra cost when you buy through our links. In our foreign language Best Picture nominees series, we looked at several adaptations, including Z, The Postman Il Postino, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and Letters from Iwo Jima. We hit the high seas with In the Heart of the Sea from Nathaniel Philbrick's nonfiction book for our Aquatic Killers series. Eh, definitely a weaker entry in that series. I bet the book is better. Oh, me too. Member bonus episodes featured adaptations like Gone Girl, The Russia House, Ivanhoe, The Hot Rock, The Big Heat, and Naked Lunch. Oliver Stone brought not just original stories, but also adaptations like Conan the Barbarian, Scarface, Year of the Dragon, Eight Million Ways to Die, Talk Radio, and Born on the Fourth of July. Mary Heron's disturbingly insightful American Psycho was adapted from the Brett Easton Ellis book. You like Huey Lewis in the news? Oh my God, it even has a watermark. And of course, more Stephen King with The Mist, The Green Mile, and The Shawshank Redemption for our King a la Darabont series. Find links to all of these books and more adapted films on our Originals page. That's thenextreel.com slash originals. Every purchase supports our show. Get the full list of books that we've talked about and start your next read today at thenextreel.com slash originals. I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Andy Nelson. Welcome to The Next Reel. When the movie ends... Our conversation begins. Crawl is over. It's time to make some noise. 
The state of Florida has issued a Category 5 hurricane warning. All residents must evacuate immediately. Grab your families, your loved ones, and get out. Dad! We won't be able to come for you. Andy, I now have a I have a real problem now because I know that I need to get under my house into my crawl space to check the moisture levels, and I don't want to do that. So if I'm looking for any sort of at home construction advice, any advice or how I, that that might demonstrate to me how to get under my house and do the kind of home maintenance that uh, that is really required of a homeowner, where might I go to do that? Well, normally I'd say go to Rosie on the house and check <laughs> check your uh, service people. But really, why do you need to go there? Instead, go no. to thenextreel.com slash discord and you can jump in on conversations with all of the uh, listeners of this show and all of our others. And, and you can, instead of actually fixing anything, you can talk to everyone else about movies, maybe where people fix things. That's really <laughs> the best the best solution. Let me just tell you, you aren't going to fix anything with our help. <laughs> That's so true. So true. <laughs> Andy, we're talking about gators this week. Another entry in our Aquatic Killers series. Some might say uh, and- the final entry in our Aquatic Killers series. Yeah, you, you might you might say that. Some might say that. <laughs> uh, now we've already we've already talked about crocs. Crocodiles, and um, this is—I think it's important to to start with our entry revisiting uh, the aquatic killers and crown at least try to crown one as the winner of our aquatic killers runoff. So, just to review, we've had uh, octopus from tentacles, we had piranha from piranha, we've had anaconda again, the eponymous anaconda, we've had crocs from uh, a croc from Lake Placid. Uh, we've had a sperm whale, which seems wildly out of its element in that list, uh, but that's from <laughs> in the heart of the sea. And now we have uh, gators from uh, the the movie Crawl. How do you? How are you feeling? And and how do you integrate this uh, into uh, the world of of your world of aquatic killer anxieties? Well, you know, I I thought about this quite a bit, and I. I think it boils down to um, the situations and and the creatures. I mean, obviously, it's going to be uh, octopus and uh, sperm whale are creatures I'll run into in the ocean. The others are all rivers or swampy sorts of areas. I, I feel like, and, and the sperm whale, I mean, let's be honest, its real threat is if you're in a boat and it crushes the boat and you're now going to drown in the middle of the ocean. Like that's the threat with the sperm whale. I think largely the, the, the and then they vary. Like, am I afraid of a single piranha? No. Am I afraid of a whole bunch of piranhas? Yes. Am I afraid of a single anaconda? Sure. A bunch would be worse, but I, I think one is still all I need. <laughs> a bunch of anacondas of anaconda. is worse than one anaconda. You know, <laughs> I'm glad we solved that. I solved That's that problem. Right so, I, okay. So here's the thing. I, I think if I were to rank these, gators and crocodiles end up pretty close on my list, I think largely because of 
kind of the there are such similar species but i think in context of what i'm seeing in the films like it's not just a single alligator it's a whole bunch of alligators yeah. i'm gonna go with alligators they're actually going to be at the top of my list next will be crocodiles i think they're going to be right there hanging right below that below that i think will be the anaconda because you know i just think that uh, getting my life crushed out of me is no fun and then uh piranha and then a sperm whale, and last, an octopus. Because realistically, I don't think an octopus is really a threat. Maybe a giant I just squid, think octop- but an octopus. I think the octopus is just smarter than everything else on the list, and I don't think they're that interested. I'd like to see I a really crocodile don't. squeeze itself into a little jar. I would like to see that, too. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck, croc, you <laughs> dummy. No, I am I am right with you, and I think the... the um, the context is everything because we already said that one of the most terrifying things about piranha is that they swarm, right? It's that swarm behavior. A lot of little things eating a bigger thing is it's hard to fight that off. And then we met Lake Placid and that's just a giant thing that is terrifying. But what if you have a lot of things that might not be as large as that crocodile, but they swarm too. Like there is (laughs) when that scene in when the gators take the 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 police officer apart is piranha with gators and it's terrible it's terrible it's terrible yeah, they're tossing him around and ripping him i mean it's like a zombie film that scene really reminded me of a romero it's, zombie i know film. it was mm, perfect it was perfect so i i think that's important but now andy we have to go back in time a little bit because in terms of aquatic killers, we already have the granddaddy of aquatic killers on our list, and that is Jaws, the great white shark. What if we throw Jaws back on the list? Does that change your ranking? Well, Particularly I mean, at the top. It doesn't. So I, I I feel like because of Jaws, great white sharks got a really bad rap. And would I want to go toe-to-toe with one in the ocean? Nope, not really. Or a lot but, of them. Would you want to go toe-to-toe with like a school of them or a swarm or a fleet? <laughs> I don't know if they if they do that. <laughs> a phalanx. But, <laughs> but uh, I, I think, I mean, I've seen some documentaries now and I've watched like free divers swimming with, with great whites. And as long as you're kind of keeping your eye on them, they kind of, you're keeping each other in check. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. I feel a little... I mean, I still don't want to do it, but I feel I don't feel like they're just going to swim up and eat me. I think the gators are still their brains are so small. I feel really just they. I don't trust them, and so I'm still going to leave alligator at the top. Never trust a gator. (laughs) Never trust a gator, and then crocodile, and then I honestly think I'm going to leave anaconda on there, um, and then great white shark. So that's where that's where Jaws. No, wait, anaconda. So great white shark is above piranha. For you. It, yeah. Well, because again, you go and you tell me about this this experiment that the guy does on that TV show where he hops into a, a, a hot tub full of piranha and he, they just swim around him because he doesn't have any open wounds. He's not drawing their yeah, attention. Right. He's basically like right. two tree trunks in the water. Right. That's right. Two tree trunks. Okay. <laughs> and And sharks, if you have an open wound and you get in the ocean, they're going to smell you and they're going to eat you. That's yeah. what's in my head. Yes. All right. All right. I'm with that. But I have to leave sharks. I mean, they're above piranha. They're also definitely above the octopus because that was a dumb movie. And sharks are a badass. Like, I kind of oh. feel bad about having them this low on the list. 
so just if you take away just one more point, I don't want to belabor this. We got to talk about the movie. But one more point: if you if you now take away everything you know about real life animals and you say specifically the shark in Jaws, does that change your ranking? Uh, I I still uh, I don't know. I feel pretty unsafe in all the Jaws situations. Jaws ate a boat, Andy. Yeah, ate a did. boat. It was a big big shark, and he pretty much swallows people whole. Um, yeah. Although usually doesn't. He so usually does Lake Placid. Them in pieces. Um, yeah. Yeah. He would probably end up higher than the anaconda. I still feel I like the so. croc and the uh, and the alligator end up above the jaws shark, though. I never would have predicted that going into this series when we started it a year and a half ago, ten years ago. <laughs> I never would have <laughs> predicted that crocs and gators would be on top. That surprises the hell out of me. And All them, right. too. It surprises them. Are there any bit. others that we've strong, natural approaches to creature features that we've missed that you feel like should be on this list if one day we uh, we have the opportunity to continue this series? Well, somebody did point out that there's a killer whale movie called Orca that there is. we could potentially, there is, we could potentially look at that. I don't, I can't think of anything else off the top of my head that people have mentioned or that I've come up with, but uh, I don't think that there's anything else that I find too horrifying. Um, surely they would be if it was me versus them in the water, I'd still would be. I mean, you know, I don't like feeling a fish brush up against me when I'm in the water. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so. terrible. That's terrible. Um, what yeah. was the other one? It was another Peter Benchley movie that was after was or book adaptation that Did I'm not thinking. I thought like Robert Shaw was in it. Really? And it, there was this whole scene. There was a whole scene where he where the he puts his arm in a little cave and it's like either a barracuda or an eel bites him. And th- I have this memory oh, of the these deep. sequences. Is that the deep? The deep. Yeah. The Deep. What was right. The Deep about? Why do I remember it that was movie just so about well? Was treasure. that an aquatic killer? No. Oh. No. It's okay. people. It's, it's. I mean, human. The humans are the bad people. But they're they're trying to get um, some treasure or something. I honestly can't quite okay. remember exactly what uh, yeah. they're World doing. Yeah, World War II shipwreck. Yeah. 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 And then... That I, was it with... Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. But Robert Shaw. Did... Romer. I remember this now. Romer Treese. That's his name, Romer. Romer. What a great, great movie name. All right. Uh, okay, well, we, that movie was all right. It was all right. I don't think it, it... It did have a barracuda or an eel of some sort that bit one of the characters. Well, and, and you made me, me... When you said Peter Benchley, because he did do a book called Beast that was about, like, yeah, some and sort he, of octopus he wrote the deep. or something. And The Deep, uh, I mean, he's written a lot of... Yeah, those. He also did the island. Um, yeah, there's a lot of books that he's written that feature aquatic killers. <laughs> At some point, we're going to have to transition to aquatic killers that because, like, there was remember, of course, your favorite movie Sphere, Michael Crichton's oh, uh, yes. adaptation, where they, they the thing actually conjures the giant squid. I didn't remember that. That's an that's an aquatic I killer. Generally, tried blocking that one from my mind. But yes, the the great well that's okay. There's a good example. Um, Twenty thousand leagues under the sea, right. their submarine gets the uh, the giant squid attached to it, and they have to surface and then battle it. 
And so that's a good example right. of an aquatic killer that um, I feel like I would be probably more afraid of than a sperm whale. I, I mean, I know sperm whales and aquatic killers pretty much go toe to toe quite a bit. And I feel like um, this, I, I'm less scared of the sperm whale. I, I think I just feel like whales are safer creatures. I, that's just me being Controversial opinion, Andy. I know this naive. is coming. <laughs> yes, it comes from a place of aquatic ignorance, but I'm not scared of sperm whales, man. I'm just not. I don't run into them. I, I tell you, but if one is charging, <laughs> yeah, well, I tell them until they run into you. Right. I, if I were in a boat, though, and I saw a sperm whale, I would, having seen these movies now and heard these stories about how they can be aggressive with boats, it does make me go, hmm. Is this but the thing is, if I'm or... nice, if I'm nice in the water, all of this should be cut. If I'm nice in the water, I don't feel like the sperm whale is going to attack me. And I do feel like I would be eaten and regurgitated by a giant anaconda now. And I feel like I would be picked apart by piranha. And I feel like I would be swallowed whole or ripped apart by crocs and gators, respectively. I think I, I think we're settled. This is yeah, good. This I feels good. Can I tell you all a little right. bit about alligators before we keep going? I, I have been hoping. I know that we would get to this, this to um, this part. The nice if thing you, about and do you have any do you have any that measures that measures you know weights in pound feet? I would like to know uh, about that the bite uh, pressure. Exactly. So go ahead. Yes. The yeah. um uh they the okay this movie actually does a pretty good job of keeping them realistically sized, which you know. It has been a trope as we go through these aquatic killer movies. People like to make them a little bit bigger than they normally are. Uh, the adults, uh, yeah, adult male American alligators uh, measure three to four or three point four to four point six meters, or eleven point two to fifteen point one feet in length, and can weigh up to four hundred fifty three kilograms or nine hundred ninety nine pounds. Uh, the females are a little smaller than that. Generally, they inhabit freshwater. Though I did find it interesting that they can—they don't like it, but they can survive um, salt water just fine. They generally don't because they're—they're they're not you know, saltwater creatures, but they're totally fine being in saltwater. And because that was a question of mine as I was watching this film, I'm like, okay, so the hurricane is making all the saltwater from the ocean kind of flood up. And now these alligators are swimming around in the saltwater. Are they handling that okay? What was going on with that? And yes, they do handle it okay. Well, Andy, I can swim in saltwater or freshwater. Why can't a crocodile? <laughs> Some right, they're, creatures. They're yeah. reptiles. Like they're not like fish where they can't, like they'll come up and breathe. They're fine. They're I wish fine. I wish I had more information to answer that, but apparently they just aren't <laughs> fans. They're not fans. Okay. The crocodiles are more the saltwater ones. Um, the you can tell because are, they have the word saltwater in their actual name. <laughs> the there are freshwater crocodiles. Let's not be cheeky. <laughs> okay. That's uh, alligators are apex predators, generally consuming fish, amphibians, reptiles, birds, and mammals, though they can consume people. Yes, they can. There are a number. I think in Florida, they average or were averaging for a while at least five deaths a year from crocodile or from alligators, which just, I mean, seems too high. <laughs> just like not good. But they, um, all, but they only kill bad people. <laughs> it's only the bad people who get it. Uh, it's like Dexter. And, and that one child at Disney World. <laughs> bad people. Yeah, but that child. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> he surely I mean, so many jokes it. just came right at so my bad. head, and I so stopped. bad. I stopped. Um, adult yeah. American alligators do well. They did hold the record as having the strongest laboratory measured bite of any living animal. <laughs> this I don't even understand the science here. Measured up at up to thirteen. 
13,172 newtons, which is Mm -hmm. about 2,900 pound feet or uh, 1,300 kilogram feet. That's just really strong. And I mean, technically, I think it would be bone breaking (laughs) at that strength. I forgot to check. Doesn't it at that strength just turn it to powder your bones? (laughs) I don't think it's. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's a jelly. Um, it's. I, I was curious. I, I totally forgot to look, but I was curious. What is a human's um, bite strength? Like, how does that relate? Very curious. Oh, I'm going to find that. that. Uh, you, you you keep going. Okay. But crocodiles. Um, apparently now crocodiles have now been proven to have a stronger bite than the alligators. So either way, they're both very strong. The trick with them all is that they their muscles to open their jaws are very weak. So if you can. <laughs> This is where wrestling gators comes in. If you can get yourself wrapped around its mouth, you're likely going to be able to hold it closed because it's not going to uh, be able to fight that. But that's when they. But you will also never be able to let go. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) You'll be holding that thing until you die. Um, Okay. And one of the worst things about American alligator bites is that the their bites the bites have such force that often get infected. And even with medical treatment, they may still result in fatal infections. So, and just to clarify, Pete, we, we, I can't remember, we did this, I think on the crocodile, they do swim faster than people. I know this movie really, really pushes the fact that Haley can swim faster than alligators, but in fact, they max, their max swim speeds around 20 miles per hour. Michael Phelps, about six. (laughs) Oh my goodness. She could, destroy michael phelps that's what i've learned yes right she should have been she just that meat that we have at the start of this film she just really didn't believe in herself she really did was negative self-talk that was her problem yeah all right would you like a little bit of uh, just a quick update before we get too far ahead yes Uh, uh, our second molars human second molars can exert a bite force between 1100 and 1300 newtons beating the orangutan, gibbous, and australopithecus, but lagging behind the gorilla, chimp, and paranthropus. These forces are roughly what you'd expect for a primate of our size. We're never going to bite with the sheer power of the megalodon or the predators, That, uh, uh, but we're no slouches. That's, that's what was, the deal. What was the strength in Newtons? Uh, between 1,100 and 1,300. Okay, so it's 1,300. So that means an alligator's bite is 10 times stronger than ours. Right. Ten times. Okay. Ten, Ten times. times. So Good. there you go. Okay. Ten times. Last so, little bit. Night. Well, two. Good night, kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two last little bits of uh, facts. They can propel themselves with their tail, often like the length of their bodies, and they can do that up onto the bank to catch their prey. So that moment when Haley jumps out of the water just in time for, to get away from that gator, and he just like pops his head up and, and grumbles at her. Ah, oh, she got away. Uh, yeah. It could easily have leapt out of the water and taken her right there. Are you, are you talking about the part in the shower? No, I'm talking about the part where she escapes the pipe and the bubbles tickle the gator's chin. Yes. And that gator right. swims after her and she swims up to jump onto the wa- land. And she does just in time that the gator just pops its mouth out and goes, Rah. And, and And I would say back to the shower, that gator should be like stuck headfirst in the drywall of the ceiling. <laughs> is what I'm hearing you say. <laughs> That's right. Those tales. Last but right. not least, the um, uh, and this is just an interesting tidbit that I didn't know that I found really interesting. It relates to this movie in no way whatsoever, but alligator blood is among the purest of any animal on the planet, and it is actually used to calibrate some types of blood monitoring equipment. Really? Yeah. 
that is a fascinating thing to learn in this weird show. Yeah, it's it's like prehistoric well blood. I don't know. I don't know. Very strange. But now you know, and knowing is half the battle. All right. Let's talk about the show. <laughs> Let's talk about the movie. It's been a half hour. Uh, now we got to just bust through this. Okay, let's start with the swim meet. I love that they set her up with the swim meet. I love that that's the way we get into this movie. It's the only thing that happens outside of our main set. Um, and uh, I do like that whole getting her to the, uh, you know, the setup, um, you know, at the house by giving her what if it feels like a real environment. Maybe I'm just in touch with it because I so like I live and breathe swim meets. Um, not right now, but normally, uh, but it felt like a really authentic uh, a- a experience. And um, I think they did a great job with that. Although oh, yeah. uh, I did, I did my daughter watch it. She's the swimmer and she's like, everything is wrong. Everything that you like about this is wrong. Of course. So it looks pretty real to me. I know, you know me too. To tell her to just keep her mouth shut. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to let you do that. I'll let you do that. That'll be great. Uh, All right. Along with that, I really like the way they set up the sister stuff because we have the transition. She swims. She has her big race. And then they have this FaceTime call. And that is actually the biggest point that my daughter had a problem with. She's like, you never FaceTime in the locker room. There's no cameras in the locker room. So that was the biggest problem that we had. But I do love the family setup with them and that they I, I think it's actually it's a really efficient way to get us into the head of this character. And I really like this character. But you see how she sets the camera up in a way in her locker where it's not showing anything. I thought There's it was There's just efficient. no cameras in the it's locker It's just efficient. Room. There's well, no cameras okay. in Okay, forget, sure, sure, in the real I world, agree. Sure. Andy, I stand with you. I'm just saying this is what, this is the, what the, the person in response, yes, yeah, so. All I right. hear you. She did know she was watching a creature feature, right? It wasn't like... A story about swim she meets. Did. And, <laughs> she like did. It was not a story about, about swim meets. The horse racing realities and Sea Biscuit or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Sea so Biscuit is a noted fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. I love the way that this story is taught. It it sets a lot of interesting things up about her story: the swimming, the family dynamics, the issues with dad, the the way that she was raised with dad. It's got really clean uh, and tight um, flashbacks that kind of kind of get us through all of this. We even get really interesting little family dynamics, like with the way that um Haley sees Beth's ex-boyfriend or quote <laughs> ex-boyfriend Wayne, Wayne yeah. when she's going and just like the way they talk about that I saw your I saw Wayne you know just like those little things it's just it, they're little beats that happen throughout this script but it's so taut it's so uh clean like everything about the way that the story is structured is just clean and crisp and it just works exceptionally well it's just an exceptionally structured um script and everything about it like there's no fat anywhere i love that about the way that the film uh, just unfolds from beginning to end i do i'm watching it with my son and he's like looking at his watch and he says wow 15 minutes (laughs) there's already there's already a gator jumping through the stairs like it's fast it gets you into the into the creature stuff fast which means we spend most of our time under the house with these characters and um this is one of those movies where i think if you just let it fly by you can really enjoy this experience i found it 
modestly harder to to watch. I was noticing more stuff uh, the second time around that is really? is used for just alt artfulness. Uh, one of the things that always bugs me in anything that is that I know is filmed in a tank is mysterious underwater light sources, and this movie <laughs> is chock full of them. I mean. <laughs> Full of them. The water is so beautiful in this movie. It's so clear. Uh, and, and of course, it has to be for cinema, but um, it, it's not the same feeling that I get with a movie like Parasite, for example, which is a contemporary of this movie. Uh, when the flood happens, that movie feels like it feels like you're in a, an incredibly disgusting, both filmed in a tank. One feels legitimately disgusting and one feels like I'm at the end of a SeaWorld uh, exhibit. I don't think it feels quite that clean, but I appreciate that you find it <laughs> that clean. Uh, and obviously it was in a tank, but also the films are going for totally different sensibilities, uh, you know. Yes. Although, you know, to, straight, to, to throw a little more at your point and how it does make sense, they really did try keeping this kind of realistic and they wanted it to feel like a real hurricane. They wanted it to feel like real gators. They never wanted it to feel like abnormally large gators or or the gator with a vengeance on his mind things like oh, that yeah it, yeah like for, it, it always just feels like real gators like they've got a nest under their house and that's why oh this is why they're so aggressive because there's all these eggs in the other room like the way that they set all that up really worked to make it all make a lot of sense and uh, so to that end i can say okay sure um, they could have found ways to keep it a little more realistic. But I tell you, I, watching the behind the scenes, I don't know if you looked at it, but it was really interesting yeah, to see how they structured that that whole underground uh, level of the house. And they had panels and people had to climb down ladders and then crawl to where they were and they would light through the ceiling and everything. Like there are some really interesting setups that they did to work at keeping this as realistic as possible under there. Um, even if it the lighting sources feel a little fictionalized. Uh, yeah, the lighting sources are, are ridic ridiculous. But but uh, to your point, like the the Rubik's cube, right, of of production design requirements to get the house working right to be able mm. to get the cameras working right and the the rodeo effects team that had to actually take the tank work and then recreate water that was already shot in order to create all the creature effects that go in line with it uh, is extraordinary i mean it's just fantastic i don't always think that the uh the outdoor landscape work the stuff that was shot in the giant tank in the sound studio and what is it bosnia or uh yeah. serbia um i i don't always think that works like there there are some sequences where they've put uh crazy you know trees blowing and it just looks terrible and the rain is still falling down cut back to our principal characters and the rain is still falling essentially straight down and i just i don't always like feel like that that connects for me it it, it takes me out a little bit on rewatch but um I, I, I think that what they captured was uh, a look and a feel in this universe that is mostly consistent and extraordinary art. Like, it just, it's great. Yeah, I, and I think that I find myself just kind of relishing the story and even like the creature effects. I, I'm like, you know, they did a really good job with these creature effects. Ugh. As I found out, you know, hardly any puppetry. I mean, they had a puppet that they used, but really only for the one shot where 
um, you're close on on Haley, and then you pull back and you see you're coming through the gator's open mouth as right. it's sitting there. That's the only time that they was actually a, that used... was a real gator. Actually, that was a real gator. <laughs> that was a trained gator. They did, and they just open wide. A trained gator. Uh, yep, <laughs> we're gonna put a camera in here. That's right. Uh, and uh, so that was really it. Other and then the rest of the time, it's like somebody dressed in a green screen suit, just kind of sloshing through the water, or that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> terrible green puppet head that they had that just it looked so dumb but and, and they acknowledge the behind that, the but... scenes where she's stabbing the puppet head <laughs> it is just an exercise in sociopathy it's really great oh well and that's what I, you know i think that the joy of watching actors work is that they like when they're good they are a hundred percent buying into the scenario that is being painted for them, whether yeah. it's on stage or on screen. I just think it's exciting. And watching, watching, um, uh, these two actors who are in the basement here, really all of them, but generally it's, it's the primary two that we're watching here. Uh, they're just they they are working so well with um with all of these situations and i i think a lot of that comes from being in this real situation where you're you are actually having to crawl around on your hands and knees for 16 hours a day you know on the set in water i i think that there's a level to it that just i think helps you get into that mind space but you see that the way that they're reacting like when these interacting with these puppets and it's just like it's really incredible work yeah, it really is an exercise in craft. Like to see you do this, Judy Dench. <laughs> she did get to be a cat in Cats, Pete. She so. did. <laughs> what? You you have me, I guess. <laughs> now imagine you have a tail. Um, right. <laughs> that's, that's the extent um, for her. That's going to be the end of it, yeah. Uh, so I, I actually, I think most of that was really, really good. I want to go back to the, to the, some of the choices they made about the animals, the creatures in particular, the, the fact that they took pains not to have like the slash face gator. Um, and, and I do love watching Raimi interviewed because he says quite (laughs) honestly, I wanted a slash face gator. I wanted to be the, I wanted there to be one sort of hero villain, um, kind right. of, uh, uh, character for us. And everybody disagreed with me. And, uh, Alexandra Aja is, he knows exactly what he wants and he knows exactly like he's just, yeah. he always had my notes before I was able to give them. He is incredibly astute filmmaker. And I think the choice, the first time I watched this, my expectation was I want a hero gator <laughs> and, <laughs> I was expecting a hero gator, and I think I've softened on that point. I really like the way this plays out. I think it's actually more threatening without it, because it's like there's not just the big bad that they have to overcome. It's just a constant, uh, like, endless supply of gators that happen to be invading because of this hurricane that's flooding and providing all this extra water for them to swim around in. I mean, initially, we have two that are with them, or just they think it's one, and then they find yeah, out even it's the two. reveal of the second one is great. Fantastic. Like it's like, oh crap, it's yeah. another one, <laughs> right? And then a third one comes in, um, just about the time the dad kills one of the others. But then she goes out, and it's like by the time you're killing gators, now they're swimming out of the house and they're actually leaving this environment and going to a source of a lot more gators. I mean, we saw when that one cop gets uh, attacked. I mean, there were I don't know, I, I kind of lost count because they're moving so fast but it looked like at least five gators swimming around him. And I don't know if they were the same gators that were over at the gas station and the boat. But I mean, 
no matter how you slice it, it's just like there are gators everywhere. And I think that's what makes this so terrifying is it's just like there doesn't have to be a big bad. It's just the fact that there's an endless supply of gators yeah. swimming around in this water that makes it pretty frightening all around. Well, and I, I had some really sarcastic like opinions in my first review of this when I first watched it as it came out. And um, it, it it pretty much was, you know, was all boiled down in where the hell do these people live? Like that they live <laughs> so close. Like, is this suburbia? Is this I'm I live in a gator preserve? Like, what is this? I was able to, I think, let go of of some of that constraint on this watch of the movie and and sort of free myself to like I, I just enjoy that they have a mechanic that I think in the space of the film. It makes sense. It makes sense for the universe. It might be fantastical, but the fact that they kept the creatures real, as real as they could, almost lets me forgive a lot of the sort of architectural pieces or some of the architectural pieces that I might have questioned. So I think overall, it's it's great. Well, and they live on a lake. I mean, I think that's something that is pointed out at one point when she looks out uh, the back door, you can see that she's looking right out over the lake. So obviously, yeah. you know that in, in Florida and all through the South, I mean, I think they're from Texas through North Carolina, you have alligators in kind of this sort of place. And yeah. so it's just, it, I guess it makes sense that they're in a place where potentially there are a lot of gators. So, Well, and yeah. it's just like you living in Arizona. There could be a javelina uprising <laughs> there any really could minute. Be. And you can have your own crawl right there in, 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 yeah, no, I, I get it now. It's just all context. It is. It really is. No, it's, uh, or the scorpions could, could rise up. Yeah. Stop. Stop. (laughs) You just made it too real. Yeah, I know. I, but, but really Aja did an incredible job directing this film. And I, I think, I mean, he's an interesting filmmaker. I, I think high tension was, was that his breakout film? I feel like it was, mm-hmm. which, you know, I, I had was. some, I had some script issues with that film. I didn't buy into kind of the whole twist of it, but I found him to be um, an effective director. Like he made a very effective film with that. And then from there, uh, the Hills Have Eyes, that remake I thought was solid. Mirrors I thought was pretty interesting. Piranha 3D was obviously a fun one uh, that we mentioned a little bit when we talked about Piranha. I haven't seen sure. anything since. I didn't see the ho- Horns or the Ninth Life of Lewis Drax. I missed both of those. I didn't even hear of those. Um, yeah. And then this one. So, um, yeah, I just I, I find him to be a very effective horror filmmaker who has, um, he's really kind of, tapped into this and i just feel like just between him and the script that was written for this the rasmussen brothers who wrote this script i just think they wrote an incredibly uh, tight script that just endlessly impresses me what do you think about their choice for how they handled sugar the dog well, this is one of those things that apparently created quite a bit of controversy online because people are always um People have a hard time watching (laughs) pets get it. And I mean, and honestly, I feel like Hollywood should have learned this back in Turner and Hooch in the late 80s. (laughs) That everyone said that the fact that the dog dies in that movie killed that box office for that movie. And I feel like Hollywood knows this by now. Why do why do they even try thinking about this as something? You put a dog in it, the dog's gonna have to live. And I love that Sugar Lives. Um, but it is, it's a source of 
<laughs> very anxiety-driven scenes as you're watching, especially when it's the scene when they get washed back into the house and you have sugar like swimming trying to get back to dad and then you know that you know there's a gator coming too so it's just uh yeah yeah now i i think it's fascinating i also you know let's not forget the tom hanks singularity uh that you just were able to everything comes back to a tom hanks movie (laughs) i I try to bring Um, it up as often as i can you know this yeah singularity event i love this passage from aja talking about this when asked specifically about this he says at the end of the day i think what's interesting is people are so obsessed with dogs i love dogs don't get me wrong but it's so obsessive that to play with the expectation if the dog is going to live or not is more interesting than just killing them also if i want to get my citizenship i was told not to kill dogs anymore <laughs> is that what so it takes? sugar makes it that's what it takes that's I, the other thing I, I think to to think about is that now i think it comes and goes in waves right and that we have this the dog lives in this case but we have an anchor dog in john wick that actually is the the center instigator for the entire series <laughs> <laughs> that the experience that's of the everybody, dog. That's right, because yeah. it puts everybody in John Wick's shoes. And they kill yes. that dog, I'm going to go after them. That's right. You know, we did lose so, a dog. We did lose a dog in Jaws, just to remind you. Pippin. Pippin. Yeah. And yeah. the Meg, right? <laughs> did did Pippin make it in no, the Meg? I, I think, can't remember. I think that... I think that it was a little like Lhasa Apsa or something that shouldn't have even made it through being in the ocean at all. Uh, right, but, but somehow I, I swims back to the it. boat. I yeah, I think it, it does. Yeah, I think it gets on the boat. It. And then I'm the whole sure. boat gets eaten. I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. That silly movie. <laughs> what a movie. <laughs> you know, I do have to say, in context of animals in films and the yeah. fact that people love dogs, this film does a good job of pointing out that people still are afraid of spiders. Even in a movie that's full of alligators, you throw some <laughs> spiders on someone's face, and that is just about all it's going to take yeah. to send half the people out of the movie theater. I did not care for that, but I also felt like, okay, she's just, like, just go underwater. Just, like, dunk. You know but what I mean? But there are gators like, underwater. Like, that's, that's... But she was already half underwater, right? She just was standing like, on that crate. She was standing up on a crate trying to get through that trapdoor. I don't know. It was... Yeah. She does go underwater. She does wash her face off. But I just was like, she does, yeah. that was just a little too much. It's, it, it was awful at fast. It worked tell. I mean, perfectly. It was just like, and, you know, here, let's get <laughs> let's get 27% of our audience uh, standing up right now. <laughs> right. I just wanted to talk about how great Kaya Scudelario is as yes. Haley. I think she's I think she's really, really great. Um, she was she is going to be Claire Redfield in the upcoming uh, Resident Evil uh, reboot that you didn't know you wanted. She was the girl. Can't wait. Uh, Therese in uh, The Maze Runner and um, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, um, Mm -hmm. whatever the fifth one was. Dead Men Tell No Tales, right? You say right, like I I couldn't put a name to it. You're the (laughs) one who just did the whole series. (laughs) You, as president of the Johnny Depp fan club, um, actually I don't know know if anyone wants to have that claim anymore. <laughs> so I thought she was fantastic. I think she was, uh, uh, you know, the, her story of going through this movie about how just she was, uh, what she learned, what she, you know, her physical uh, performance, uh, what she broke, what she cut, the fact that she did the whole thing under the, in those tanks barefoot for the length of the shoot. Um, yeah. um, it's, it, this is one of those extraordinary uh, physical performances that, um, that is worth noting. Oh, I thought she was fantastic. And I do think that she's one of those people that when you hear her in interviews, you're like, oh, 
she's British. Wow. She carries an American accent right. really, really well. Like it yeah. was shockingly well. Um, I thought that that was just a fantastic thing to hear um, how well she did. Um, she's also one of those people, I just never can say her name right. For some reason, the Scodelario, I always say Scoladario. Like I just reverse it. And it's just, and then I, then I question myself. I'm like, wait, no, no, that's not right. And which one is the right one? And then I can never remember which way is the right way. But that's on me. I think she's fantastic, though. Yeah, I'd love to see great. more with her. And she worked with Barry Pepper in the Maze Runner films, although they didn't she work did. much I love together. Yeah, I, Barry no. Pepper's. He's been a favorite, I think, of mine since he was in. Um, did you see uh, Billy Crystal's 61, the baseball movie? Yes. Yeah, Roger uh, Maris. Yeah, he played uh, opposite Thomas Jane in that mm-hmm. and uh, Maris and Mantle. Uh, that whole relationship. I just, uh, Barry Pepper uh, was just so great in that. And and I think since that time, so about 20 years now, has been somebody that I just always look forward to seeing on screen. Gosh, looking at his top four, I, it's funny, like he's, I guess he's got True Grit as 2010, but um, Saving Private Ryan, The Green Mile, and 61, um, rounding out his top four are pre-2001 and i i think that's that's a little bit of a bummer because i think he's just so great i want to see him in in things that get a little bit more uh notoriety i even might put um you know this uh up there in the top four somewhere i don't know what i'd get i'd get rid of for him well, I'd, I'd definitely put three burials of Melchiades Estrada up there uh, I thought that was just an incredible incredible film like he did an amazing job in that film opposite Tommy Lee Jones uh, he was in Flags of Our Fathers um, yes Flags of Our Fathers right yeah yeah he's he's been in just a lot of great stuff a lot of stuff. that uh, is one of those guys that I think he's just kind of a um, one of those actors who fills in the a spot of just being you know, a strong actor who doesn't necessarily get the spotlight, but just makes the whole, uh, you know, uh, raises the whole tide for all the ships, whatever that expression is. <laughs> Rising tide. Carries all ships, right? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Somehow I'm trying to that tie good. that into Barry ships Pepper and his and strength as an tide. actor. This is terrible, terrible. Also wake. There, There's wake and tidal <laughs> forces and he's in it on the beach. In the moonlight, Colm Fior and Barry Pepper are in a, a movie coming up um, called Trigger Point, and it seems it by the sound of it, it's a super generic special forces military action uh, film that is currently filming. Follows Nicholas Shaw, retired U.S. special op- special operative who becomes part of an elite invisible team that quietly takes out the worst villains around the world. I wonder if it will exceed its <laughs> logline. I don't know. So. In addition to Crawl in 2019, he also was in Running with the Devil, which was a Nicolas Cage, <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne movie. Yes. That's currently a 5.4 on the IMDb. And then he was also in The Painted Bird, which um, I missed that one. I didn't hear um, much about it, but uh, it's received a lot of good um, nominations. 7.3 uh, star rating over it. Nearly IMDb. three hours, 7.3. Oh, by, uh, based on uh, Jersey Kaczynski. This seems like a movie we should see. Yeah, as I'm looking at this, I'm like, why didn't I hear more about this one? A young Jewish boy somewhere in Eastern Europe seeks refuge during World War II, where he encounters many different characters. Huh, I'm going to have to look, huh. at, look at this one. Put it on the list. Is there an aquatic Indeed. killer in it? Is the bird a penguin? <laughs> a murderous 
hungry thing. There's gotta be a way. <laughs> you know what? There is a serious hole in the aquatic killer's oeuvre that there hasn't been a murderous penguin movie. Is it right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. They're really missing out there. Moving on. <laughs> Please. Um, there were a few tropes in this. Did you, uh, should we talk tropes talk before we kind of corner? move on a little more? I just, uh, well, underwater POVs are definitely one when you're dealing with aquatic killers. So we've got a number and of those. And they're incredibly well lit. Let's do that. Very well lit. Very well lit. Although I did really like them when they're chasing her and you just see her feet like swimming and then she kind of swims faster than them. Again, completely yes. unrealistic, but I'd liked those quite a bit. Um, well, and I would add to, to her, the trope list yeah. to the, uh, the actual crawl, get feet grabbed and dragged away from camera. That's, That's that has become very a thing. Much. It's yeah, very much a thing, yeah. And not even yeah. in underwater, these aquatic killer movies. I mean, that's just a horror no. thing. I mean, we talked about that. Just a horror thing. Back when we did... That was um, like in Quarantine and... Quarantine, uh, that's yeah, what I'm thinking of. Yeah. yeah. A very popular thing. Uh, we yeah. have unrealistic tropes of unrealistic breath holding, um, sure which do. we just had as in our Saturday matinee list. Unrealistic yeah. breath holding a few weeks back. And then we have um, the... Uh, what was the other one I was going to say? Oh, and then, of course, this is it is kind of a trope. Somebody's dead and then CPR and persistence. They are able to save them through through Hollywood CPR so fast. And the Hollywood CPR is really just the the single chest. Thump, right. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's not even close to CPR. It's the angry. Oh, breaking. you live, damn it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's. And then I just have to call out the last shot of this. Like, it's a great, this is an interesting first shot, last shot, because we start off with her at that swim meet, right? It's determined to go into this race, which she then doesn't win. But then at the very end of it, you have that triumphant champion shot of her standing up, holding that flare. And her mm-hmm. dad is looking at her. It's kind of his POV as he's looking at her. And the the way that the helicopter's spotlight is shining on her, it's totally like this victory pose. I was like, wow, oh, that is such a brilliant, it's brilliant ju- shot. It is to end this. juicy pose. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. So good. It's a movie that takes place in one day. There's got to be a list. Yes, I feel like there must be. I don't think it's a trope, but it certainly is something that we can bring up as we talk about lists for this movie. So, all right, we talked about Kaya, we talked about Barry, we talked about uh, Alexandra, uh, Michael and Sean Rasmussen, the two screenwriters who are definitely in the horror uh, vein uh, with their stuff. What about any of the other technical stuff behind the scenes? Well, a camera, um, man, what challenges Maxime Alexandre had to deal with to to get this thing shot? Uh, hot hot yeah. water does not play well with lenses. No, they were dealing with steaming lenses. They had to have all sorts of special water gear. And it was just a very complicated shoot because, I mean, almost 100% of it involves water. It's a very, very wet shoot. And so to that end, it was, I think they do a really good job of coming up with interesting angles. And even if, you know, the lighting is a little unrealistic at times, I just found it to be kind of just really strong and exhilarating camera work throughout. I, I think in combination with the editing, Elliot Greenberg, some of the choice and effects, I should say, some of the choices around uh, color timing of the film are were interesting. What do you think of the overall tone of of the film, the look of it? Yeah, I think that it's um, I think it's really solid. I mean, they definitely dropped it uh, kind of like they they brought the the um, 
I don't think it's quite a bleach bypass type of process, but they really did kind of crush the every, yeah. uh, all the colors and everything to bring it down into that grittier, more raw sort of feel. And I think that that actually works in giving us that feel that goes along with the hurricane and everything else. I think um, I think that has a really nice feel throughout. I do too. And I think one of the things, one of the natural sort of outcomes, and I hope intentional outcomes of it, is that when you're in the dark and when you're dealing with flashlights and when you're dealing with um, the shapes of wet animals that they have in the effects, it makes the, it, it really highlights the, the, the sort of um, the curves in their back and the, the, you know, sort of blows out the, the whites that, that show up just on the, their little spines and their, and their eyes. I think it just works so, so well. Um, it it does when we go outside there's an otherworldliness to it that um you know in that sort of green gray space that is interesting and it looks a little it, it looks a little fake but also the world looks fake in one of these storms in like tornadoes in hurricanes and so um i i have to I always have to sort of reset my expectations a little bit. I was like li- leaning out the window to look at the sky and see, does it look like crawl right now? It doesn't look like crawl right now. Um, uh, because I have to reset my expectations that it looks kind of like a, a hyper stylized sort of cartoon of a suburban um, storm. But I, I think it, I think it probably sets up pretty well. Yeah. I think uh, as far as like the effects work and kind of the, all the visual effects that they had to do to create the rest of this neighborhood and the storm and everything going on, I actually thought they did a really good job. Like it, to me, it feels uh, pretty authentic and it, it, it felt like I, I would have had a hard time telling you like, which buildings, which trees were fake. Like, I would not have been able to pull that. I probably would have just thought that a lot more was real and then they they just built the storm effects over it without realizing how much of a set extension they actually had to do. Um, which so was to that significant. End, yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing the uh, the kind of just the whole breadth of what they actually accomplished yeah. in creating everything in this world, especially since they shot it in like Bosnia, which looks nothing yeah. like Florida. I mean, adding in palm trees everywhere, trying to get it to look real. I was really surprised when I learned that they didn't film any of this. Um, not even like plate shots, not even any of the driving scenes when she's driving down to dad's like none of that was shot there. It's really effective. Well, effective, especially when you consider how much they already built. The experience of that, like of of shooting and they building those houses, those house plates, uh, in that giant tank, right? The entire neighborhood scaffolding was a fillable set of tanks to flood when when things happened, and so it's it's a little bit, um, I I don't know, like I, it it's hard for me to look at this and not really want to celebrate the practical effects work that they did, even knowing that the the CG effects came on and replaced so much of it. Like, uh, I, I think that, that the water stuff, when you look at the behind the scenes stuff they were doing with water and debris and boats and planks and stuff floating around that were then sort of erased and replaced with exactly the same thing. Um, it's extraordinary and it's, it's a little bit heartbreaking. (laughs) 
It's, it's, but it's not. It's it's not though because they're not replacing. They know that they're doing it, knowing that they're going to go in to do that. They're not like doing yeah. it, hoping to keep it. You know, I, I think that that's what's so clever about it is they're finding ways to really make it easier for the CG people to come in by actually yeah. having people in the water making it move and kind of simulating. Okay, there's this is kind of the way a gator because they had divers in the water in some situations, just like moving the way a, a gator would, where it's kind of left to right rather than up and down as far as its tail yeah. movement. And so they had divers kind of giving those swishes in the water that would be that way that would then get replaced and kind of had the gator. And, and it gives it gives the CG people something to work with. And I thought that was actually really smart, uh, the way that they kind of um, built all that in. So, I, I mean, I was actually really impressed with the way that they expanded the work that they did on set. Um, and I wow. felt like, you know what, I, I, I know that we praised um, the the crocodile puppetry that we saw in Lake Placid. And mm-hmm. I think there is something to be said about that really sharp blending of real puppets um, with the CG work that I thought worked effective, very effectively in that film. In this particular case, though, I, I was like, you know what? I think that they're doing just an effective job here. Like I, I watched it twice, actually, just to look at the different effects and everything. And I was like, God, it's really clean. I don't see anything that sets me off saying, gosh, I wish that some of this was puppetry. I, I felt like they actually pulled it off by having people in that they were able to kind of cover up. Yeah, to to that point, this movie is state of the art CG creature effects, right? This is that's what this, this movie really is. It is top top notch. It's it's yeah. among the best. You want to talk about the music? It was really effective. I loved it. I thought that they have some great deep sounds that worked really well with it. You know, kind of those just the deep strings and everything that just yeah. felt it just it gives it that feel. I, I really liked the music in this. And There's I a love lot of that, that the great. credits. Ki- I love that the credits kicked into uh, "See You Later, Alligator," which was just I know. <laughs> really great uh, way to play with us. Yeah, my mom, my my son actually looked at me. and says, "Is this a real song?" I'm like, "You're listening to it." He says, "Yeah, but like outside of this movie, is this a real song?" Like, You've never heard "See You Later, Alligator." Oh, oh no! Parental there was fail. a time when songs were a little sweeter, a little more innocent. Right. Simpler. Right. Uh, well, we love this movie, but you know it's in good hands when uh, QT uh, says it's his favorite movie, the f- favorite movie of the year. Right. Yeah. Uh, Quentin Tarantino in interviews when he was talking about his film that came out this year, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he said that uh, that this just might be his favorite film from 2019. So, uh, yeah. I, I, he's always one to throw a surprise, uh, surprising wrench into the mix when it comes to favorites of the year. Um, but uh, it's it's a it's a good one. I, it's hard to fault him one. too much. So, um, how do you, Andy Nelson, level up Crawl for Crawl Two? Yeah, right. Well, they'd have to be flying. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's, cat, it's a category it's a five alligator cane. It's it, yeah, but they're they're the hurricane is fl- flinging them up into the air, just like Sharknado. Yeah, yeah, it's a hurricaner. Yeah, right, <laughs> hurricaner. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I it's a it's um, surprising to me that considering this did well at the box office that they have not announced any sequels or anything. But and maybe this will be a, a rare case where they say, you know, we don't need one. 
I kind of feel like the studios are going to say we should make one because, you know, yeah. studios and money, they uh, they like that sort of thing. But I do really uh, kind of at this point, I enjoy this being its own little thing. It, how about uh, award season? Wasn't a big one. Of course, it's very genre, very uh, kind of specific. It did have four nominations, though, at the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards. It uh, was nominated for Best Wide Release Film, but lost to Midsommar. The Hollywood Critics Association, it was nominated for Best Horror Film, but lost to Us. The Houston Film Critics Society Awards Best Stunt Coordination was nomination nominated, but it lost to John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. And the IGN Summer Movie Awards, it was nominated for Best Horror Movie, but also lost to Us. So that's I don't it. argue with any one of those. And I think that's one of the things that'll be interesting to talk about as in our rankings, because I haven't said anything other than, you know, I have some complaints about lighting and water and stuff like that. But generally, every time I watch this movie, it gets better, and it's still not a five-star movie for me. Why is that? Well, it's because it goes up against movies that I feel very strongly about, like Us and Midsommar and John Wick Chapter 3. I absolutely think this is better than Us. I would put this over Us. I don't know if I'd put it over Midsommar or John Wick. Well, no, I'd put it over John Wick Chapter 3. I've watched Us a number of times, and I, I like it better. It's another one I like better every time. I was mad at it the first time because it wasn't Get Out, and I, I appreciate it much, <laughs> much more now. Um, well, so. I... I think that this movie is doing everything that they set out to do exceptionally well, and I just love it. So, so you did okay. Well, we're gonna talk about that in a minute, but first, uh, how to do the box office? Aja's film cost thirteen point five million to start, with another three point five million for prints and advertising, costing a total of seventeen million dollars. Very small budget. The film opened July twelfth, two thousand nineteen, opposite Stuber, Point Blank, The Farewell, and Darlin. It opened in third place behind Spider-Man: Far From Home and Toy Story Four, both of which have been holding onto their spots for several weeks. It stayed in the top ten for four weeks and ended up earning thirty-nine million domestically and fifty-two point five million internationally for a total gross of ninety-one point five million. That gives it an adjusted profit per finished minute of 856000 and a profit-to-cost ratio of just over 5%. All told, the most profitable film in this series was Anaconda, but Piranha had the highest profit-to-cost ratio. That being said, none of these were able to top Jaws. Did Steven Spielberg weigh in on this one? <laughs> Do we have a Spielberg I, recommendation? I didn't see any. I, would, I wish that he would have. All right. Would that All it right. were so simple. Would that it were so simple. Uh, well, I am thrilled with this uh, movie that we talked about it, that we have it on our list, and I think we should take it to the map. Let's do it. Head over to flickchart.com slash the next reel. You'll see all of the movies that we've talked about in all of the series that we have ever talked about movie series and movies. Uh, if you swipe over in your show notes, you can tap the word Flickchart. It'll take you straight over to this movie in the Flickchart catalog where you can add it to your own list and see how it stands up against ours. First up, Crawl or The Birdcage? <laughs> crawl. <laughs> 100% Crawl. Crawl or Do the Right Thing? <laughs> do the Right Thing. Am I a terrible Andy? person if I say Crawl? Andy? <laughs> I'm going to say Crawl. It's It's an enjoyment factor. I would watch Crawl a hundred times. <laughs> Do the Right Thing is an absolute five-star film. But I'm just saying, Crawl. <laughs> okay, let's do it. I, I'm a terrible person. I just, I love, <laughs> I love this movie. So I'm going to make you do Here this. Here we go. All right, one, one two, two, three. three. Alligator. I did that oh, for Andy. you. Do the Right Sweet Thing wins. Andy. <laughs> I, just had to, I just had to get that in there. Crawl or arsenic and old lace? 
Crawl for me. All right, I'll give you Crawl. Crawl or Grand Illusion? I think I'm Crawl. This is another one where I'd say Crawl, as much yeah. as I love Grand Illusion. Crawl okay. or Gallipoli? Crawl. Totally crawl for me. Crawl or All of Me? Crawl for me. Okay, Crawl. I, I think I can be easily swayed. <laughs> crawl or Rocky Balboa? Rocky Balboa. I'm still saying crawl. Hurtin' bombs, Andy. Hurtin' bombs. <laughs> We're going for blunt force trauma. We are. Here we there go. There were Ready? no... <laughs> that, yeah, I'd like to see Rocky go up against an alligator. Are you kidding? In a basement. Uh, on his worst day, Rocky could have done all, taken all of them. All right, here we go. Mm-hmm. One, One, two, two three. three. Scissors. 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 <laughs> Scissors. Rocky Balboa (laughs) takes it. (laughs) You know, remember Rocky IV when they had all the scientific equipment monitoring, um, what's his name? I would love to see that done with these crocodiles in this movie. Yeah. Train the crocodiles. Analyze them. Really, really analyze them. Yeah. Crawl or Europa Europa? That's crawl for me. Yeah. Crawl. Crawl or Rocky Balboa again? We already said Rocky Balboa. I'll let you have it again. That puts Crawl <laughs> at spot 124 on our chart. 124 out of 477 puts it at a 74%. 74%. Much lower than my my chart. 74%. Okay. Yeah. So I think in order to talk about this part where we talk, where, I need to know where it was on your list before with the first time you ranked it versus where it is now. Uh, I didn't write it down. But it was more in the middle area, somewhere in the middle, middle-ish. Okay, and and now? Um, it jumped up quite a bit. It landed in spot 248 out of 4506. That's a 94%. Wow. Yeah. I, wow. I, I, like I said, I watched this back-to-back two nights in a row because I had so much fun with this movie. And I had, okay. I, I think I had, when I watched it in the theaters, I think I was being a little... Um, Kind of judge, not judgmental, but just I was like, you know, it's fine creature feature. But now after watching it again, I'm like, you know, he's it's a really tight film. They do everything they set out to do and they do it exceptionally well. So, well, I'm in exactly the same boat as you. And and it was right in the middle. It was two and a half stars Uh, here. It comes out at 342 out of 1474, uh, which puts it at 77 percent. Uh, and it was like just lower, I think probably lower than 50%, but barely. Um, so it's climbed a lot and I really enjoyed watching it. But again, like I look at what this movie, it is exactly what it is. It delivers exactly what it is. It does it well. And I still find I'm noticing just enough things that take me out of the movie that it drops it a little bit. So if I am to go by the algorithm over at letterbox.com slash the next reel, uh, I'm going to stick with exactly what Flick, Flickchart tells me to do. I'm raising it from my original two and a half star review to four stars and we'll see maybe i'll watch it a couple more times and it'll go up from there but right now four stars is that four stars in a heart you, oh yeah yeah it's always been a heart always been a heart andy crying out I can't loud assume, what am I, a savage? I can't assume that you know Ugh. i just don't know i don't know um i am at a four and a half star uh rating and a heart a big old heart i just love this one um i, I mean there are a few things that do take so me out where's the, the half star because the way you're talking about it you're an absolute hooligan for this movie and so yet there there is somewhere you that know, a half star I know. has been shaved it's one of those of movies it. where i have quibbles but i still end up giving it uh four and a half stars i feel like there's there are things like when wayne comes over to the house and that crocodile like shoots itself out of the out of the hole to to get him i'm like that's a 
awfully, that was a big set of stairs. I can't imagine it leaping that high to get him. So, Andy, um, you just told me that they can leap their entire in body water, length. In water. And if that's use, the case, he's no, coming out of the water. The they, stairs were already broken at the bottom of that thing. The <laughs> stairs were gone because he destroyed those stairs. He's coming out of the water. He should have pinned him in the drywall. If, that's what should have happened. <laughs> he ha- He's shooting straight up. He's not going to be able to shoot straight up. <laughs> if he's going to propel himself, it will be at an angle. There's no way he's going to get up. Again, it's I think a silly quibble. Why attack, is it dropping the film a half star? I don't know. And this also, is just, why it's dropping the film a half star, because I also <laughs> think it's ludicrous. Just ludicrous in the wrong way. Uh, and it's just, I mean, it's one of those films where, like, they're, they have clearly... Um, a much better chance against these uh, gators than any other human do in the film, right? Like the way they swim, the way they um, get around and stuff. Like they they manage to kind of get by without getting attacked um, a lot more often than anyone else. And so I I think there are enough times where I'm like, oh, I feel like a gator should have been around by now. Uh, Mm -hmm. Those little things can kind of um, irk me a little bit, but it's, it's such petty things. Like, I swear... Uh, rewatching this again a couple times, I could easily see this going up to another five star, and I'd be fine with that because I just I love this film. I think they do such a good job with it. Is it my favorite film from 2019? No, but I did check; it's at number seven. So there you go, number seven. I know, Andy I know, it moved into my top ten, and wow. I'm okay with that. So there. Okay. Well, speaking of uh, movies that make us question our relationship with reality and the universe. We have finished our aquatic series, and we're moving on to a new series. Where do we go from here, Andy? I know. We're going to have nothing in the water for the next five films. We're jumping into uh, the dark, for sure. We're jumping into the Underworld franchise. A very interesting shift. I'm I'm kind of curious to jump into this one. I've only seen the first two films. But uh, Underworld, I think the whole thing is, uh, I can't remember all the names, Underworld, Underworld, Evolution, Evolution Rise, Rise of the, of the Lycans, Blood Awakening, Wars, Awakening and Blood, Blood Wars. Wars. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start with 2003's Underworld, directed by Len Wiseman, starring Kate Beckinsale and Scott Speedman, next week. I saw the first one of those, and the second one, and then the last three, I have seen them all, but not in order. And so my understanding of, like, underworld narrative canon is very broken. (laughs) I have no idea. I have no idea. That's awesome. Uh, So I'm very excited to watch this and see just, uh, just what happens, you know, when the movie ends. Our conversation begins. Amazon giveth, Andrew. As Amazon always doeth. Yeah, I didn't go to Amazon. I wanted to see what the kiddos <laughs> what the kiddos had to say. You know, Aww. it's important to see what the kids have to say, especially on a horror movie. And there is a wide uh, variety of uh, reviews from the young ones who uh, really generally like this movie. Uh, and they think that the R rating is overblown, that generally the it's just not gory enough. It has a lot of great father-daughter messages, but I do have one teen who says it's a one-star and it's dumb. May I? Please do. 
Crawl is a good film idea, but there's lots of things they got wrong. First, the CGI was terrible. Second, the movie is called Crawl because of the crawl space, but yet it has stairs. So technically, it would be called (laughs) a basement. Next is the glass. I know this sounds weird, but yes, glass. In Florida law, all buildings and homes, there has to be hurricane-proof, impact-proof glass. So the fact that she broke the sliding door with a chair is ridiculous, but the alligator can't break a glass shower door. Next is the home. The home appears to have no AC unit, which is a big factor when living in Florida. Your house, because of the humidity, will have black mold everywhere. Also, the crawl space has openings, like decorative openings, which is a huge cause for flooding. So that's a problem, because not only will Dave not be able to sell it unless someone is dumb, but he will also not be able to get insurance. Last, few minor details. The house is made of wood, and all residential properties are to be strictly concrete-based. Later on in the movie, she creates a hole in the wood floor to save her dad, but early she could have done that. She couldn't have done that from underneath, if not easier from below. In a Category 5 hurricane, the winds are up to 156 miles per hour, so her car would get blown literally away. Four, in a hurricane, you can't see your own hand in front of you, but somehow she can. Five, last but not least, if you watch this movie, she loses her phone in the crawl space on the other side of the pipes where it, where it's not safe. She goes for it and gets it, but instead of grabbing it and then going back to where it is safe, she decides to make the call there and be at risk of being eaten. Oh, and one last thing. These are 15-foot adult alligators, but yet she gets bitten three times and comes out with just a scratch each time. Also, how was the basement not flooded already with this Hurricane Wendy? So that there means there should have been 20... Uh, That that means there should have already been 23 hurricanes that would have likely been around there. And basements are illegal in Florida because of the water table. And I promise I'm done this time. Rescue teams don't actually rescue until the storm has at least died down. And at the beginning, it said that it was just announced hurricane, but hurricanes take a little more than a week to form. So how did they not prepare for this before? (laughs) I just want to say thank you. Under ninety four ninety five, you've really covered all of it. That was amazing. Wow, that was that was amazing. That was amazing. Yeah. Well, I've got a one star from DT Stew over on Amazon who says it's a no from me, dog. <laughs> I just didn't see the point in this movie. The boyfriend liked it, but something about how he was stuck and how the alligators were hunting was just too fake for me. I'd almost rather have the worst shark movie ever created over this, simply because it'd be more entertaining than this fiasco. Boring. Well said, well delivered, Andy. (laughs) Was it? (laughs) Thanks, Amazon. I've been podcasting since 2006. In that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms. But in August 2022, we switched to Transistor to power all of our shows here at True Story FM. And it's been a game changer. I love the Transistor allows unlimited podcasts and storage without extra charges. We can publish so much content. And we do. If you want to start up a podcast, do yourself a favor and host your show on Transistor. With their one-click publishing, you can get your new show onto all the major podcast directories effortlessly. And their website builder lets you quickly build custom sites for each show. The detailed analytics are invaluable, too. You can access all kinds of listener data anytime. Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better. After using countless hosting services over 15 plus years, Transistor has been hands down 
the best podcast partner for us. If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world, go to thenextreel.com slash transistor and check it out. Support our show and support your own show by going to thenextreel.com slash transistor. Start growing your podcast today.